Welcome to Plans Are Booked, a podcast for every reader. I'm Molly Geller. I'm Stephanie Blackburn. And I'm Caitlin Madison. So welcome. We have launched, this is the first podcast episode chapter that we are recording since we have put episodes out into the universe. Truth. Um, I have gotten so much feedback from people that I really did not think were going to necessarily tune in at all. Um, so that's been pretty cool. And people that listen to my old podcast about Friday Night Lights have also said it's about time that I do another one. And so now they're listening to that too, which is crazy because that podcast is from 2009 and those people are still in my like social media universe. You made your... Sure. Sure. I did not tell anyone in advance that we were doing this because I wasn't sure how it would feel or we were trying to master the audio. Would we get that right? So it really was quite a surprise reveal to most people in my life. The feedback has been amazing. Thank you to every person who listened, who downloaded, who followed our Instagram account, who have sent such kind DMs and text messages. I also heard from a few people asking if we would share what books are coming up so that they could read ahead of listening to our thoughts. So because we record these a bit far in advance, there may not be quite the right timing lineup, but for those who are interested and maybe want to save some episodes and catch up on them later, the episode that releases in a few days, which will be November 9th in real time, is about The Idea of You by Robin Lee. We're also talking about Every Summer After by Carly Fortune, Love and Other Words by Christina Lawrence. So if you want to read and then listen, that's what's coming up. I also think that it's kind of cool that Molly got a special shout out from our friend Zebo, who named the podcast. He said, Molly has a voice for ASMR videos. He did say that. And then I thought, should I have an ASMR channel, like a YouTube <laughs> channel, and become rich off the sound of my voice? Yes. That seems like a better life choice than what I I'm know. doing right I now. Think it's a great life choice. Zebo, I've taken this under advisement. I appreciate your vote of confidence in me. Um, should we catch up a little bit beyond the launch yeah the launch was good. exciting we did a lot of social media posts steph became like a professional producer of podcasts because she hardly i didn't do it <laughs> yeah i Steph's still not, don't know yeah. how to do it those who are getting to know stephanie through this podcast do not yet know how humble she is stephanie is the one who got our microphones got our headphones figured out how we export the podcast and get it onto apple spotify all the other places that you're listening back the truck up this was her idea in the first place yeah i should have started there <laughs> the podcast was stephanie's idea and she researched all the tech all the software she is the one who listens in full to make sure that we have covered all the right things that we edit anything that we can to make it sound better. And she had never done this before until we started this a couple of weeks ago. So I agree. Mad props to Stephanie for taking this on. Thank you. Um, 
I, was, I just have to say, as I was listening to that like beautiful accolade about stuff, I was like had her water bottle right at eye level, and it says, <laughs> "The mountains are calling, and I must go." Jackson Hole, Wyoming, with a cat on it, and also her cat meowed in the middle of this episode already. So I'm so sorry he did that, but maybe he wants to be a book boyfriend or something. I maybe, know. maybe he does. Maybe he does. But I just, that was right at eye level as you were saying all of that. And I was like, this is hilarious. Also, another piece of feedback was our banter is the best part of the episode. So I'm just get buckle in because I'm just going to say whatever I see and think. I also want to say that it was Stephanie's idea to give the episodes titles that start with chapter one, chapter two, since this is, of course, a podcast about reading. I think it's the writer in me. Yes. And my friend Colleen, who I mentioned in an earlier episode, who told us about Valley Books um, in Jackson, Wyoming, was also the first to notice that and shout it out on our Instagram. So thank you to all of the other bookworms who noticed that subtle nod to the art of reading. Another Stephanie idea. Can I just tell you the only feedback that I received personally is from one of my close friends who said, I didn't know you were such a germaphobe. Are you joking? <laughs> I want to tell you that seven or eight people have texted me about your not wearing outside clothes on the furniture. That I think was your standout moment of episode one. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that about you. <laughs> Probably because, I mean, there's just a lot of cat hair here. So, like, it didn't occur to me that somebody could be down with the cat hair and, like, not down with, like, the outside clothes on the couch. And also, we are the two biggest offenders of the outside clothes on the couch. Um, But you're coming from home. You're not coming from public transit, like, yeah, that's bus true. or the tea or something. That's true. I mean, there might have been a time I did. I don't know. Yeah. Don't spend too much time thinking about that, Stephanie. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I can't believe people said that. Well, I didn't know it. I learned that. We've been friends for how long? I didn't know. I had no idea. She's saying this and my mouth's just open as we're recording. I'm like, what is happening right now? There were also a few people who said that they wished they could see our facial expressions during some of these exchanges because anyone who has met me in real life knows that I have a pretty expressive face. And I think there are times I've tried to describe the facial expressions the two of you are making. Like last week, Caitlin raised her eyebrows to the high heavens. I can't even remember about what. Um, but you'll just have to imagine us for now. And we'll share more video and photo content as time goes on. I mean, if anybody wants to sponsor us so that we can just get a whole recording situation going, I'd be happy. Because I mean, like the Kelsey brothers, I never listen to their podcast. I watch it. Or like KFC radio. I want to see that. They have like cool guests on. I would have, I, I mean, that's the dream is to like be able to have guests in the same room as you. And back in the day when I like interviewed Connie Britton, she called in on Skype. You know what I mean? Like it was so I just like that would be so cool to have people in person i would love for us to have the video set up that the kelsey brothers have i think they are doing it so well the banter the video the social media clips sometimes there's stuff in the social media clips that don't make it into the final edit of the show you have to be following on instagram or youtube in order to see that stuff so we'll get there um so I'm just going to get into my weekend a little bit. I went to a wine and cheese party. It was 
decadent. I had the saltiest food I've ever had in my entire life. I forget what kind of cheese it was, but it was like so salty and like buttery and amazing. Um, and drank some good wine. But then that night ended with me. I didn't think I was stumbling back to my friend's house, but apparently I was because I slipped in some grease or oil or something and my entire knee is busted and I'm just like limping around and Steph had to wait on me before we started this podcast. She like cleaned up my dinner plate and like made me a London fog and I'm like limping around being an old bee, basically. You want to hear about my drama? Okay. You had drama? Uh, <laughs> I saved it just to talk about it right oh, now. Steph, <laughs> Steph went on a road trip, so here we go. Well, first we start on Thursday afternoon where Huckleberry got her one-year-old shots. Unbeknownst to me, that would cause her to lose her appetite and be lethargic. So I'm supposed to leave Friday morning for New York and she is refusing to eat. She's acting weird and I'm in like a full-on panic. Call the vet. You know, we just move on and my sister said she would take very good care of her. So... I drive to New York and I want to shout out, I'm listening to a new podcast, which is about um, the flowers of the, I mean, killer killers of the flower moon. Oh, really? Yes. It's called In Trust. And if you're wondering how the Drummonds actually fit into the story, this is the podcast that like divulges everything about it. It's fantastic. Okay. You might have to text that to me later because I will forget. Happily. Um Went to New York, had a wonderful weekend with my college bestie, um, and then this morning I get a phone call from the vet saying that Huckleberry has tested positive for hookworm. So that's a fun twist. I don't know what that is. Um, I know you don't want to know what it is. Oh no! Yeah, I think it's sort of like the dog equivalent of heartworm. Yes. Um, there's a pamphlet in the corner right there that I should not have read before we had dinner this evening. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I drove and got meds for her and all of this is burying the lead that we have a house. What? Oh, <laughs> where? <laughs> Steph has been, <laughs> Steph has been going to every damn open house imaginable trying to get her next flip property for with her dad and what you've been outbid like what nine times ten at least at yes. least okay so what what'd you get where is it it's the harvard house that yes. we've been fighting for for weeks get out mm-hmm. oh. he 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 sat on his laurels thinking he was going to get tons of offers not realizing that his house was really disgusting and finally came around to us. So, Wait, is this the one you have to clean? Uh, I mean, I know you have to clean like basically all of them, but like this is this is the one that was very very dark when we walked in. It's sort of like a contemporary. Um, the floor was kind of coming up. Yes, it had a shotgun and booze in the bedroom upstairs. Yep, I got you now. Yep, yeah, that was one of the stipulations in the um, offer was that the shotgun has to be removed prior to us taking purchase of the property. I should hope so. And also for those who might be listening and found us by way of book-related things and not Steph's full-time career, you can follow Blackburn Family Design on Instagram, which is where many of us enjoy the live tours through these homes as Stephanie goes to these appointments and open houses. 
Thank you for the shout out. You're welcome. Anything more you want to say about your new project? Um, I'm feeling a little jinxy, but by the time this episode comes out, I think we will have already closed. So I'm, I'm really just telling you two right now. And then hopefully everything goes as planned. Wow. Well, I'm also fresh off a travel weekend. I just went to a gunk with Maine. I love that you guys went on trips and I just tripped. (laughs) (laughs) I went with my mom and my sister who came up from Miami, Florida, and my cousin who came up from Charleston, South Carolina. This was a belated birthday celebration for the three of us who have fall birthdays, two in September, one at the end of October. And we stayed at the Cliff House, which none of us had been to before. And we booked it completely off the website. We were just not prepared for the lux- like the level of luxury and gorgeousness of this hotel. We pulled up to a round driveway, which to me is like the fantasy <laughs> I've shared with many people in my life. I'll know I have made it when I have a round driveway. And it was like the bellman was at the door immediately, took all the bags, wouldn't let us touch anything. The people at check-in were the happiest check-in people I've ever encountered. Couldn't wait to tell us about where to go, what to do, draw me a map of how to get to the marginal way. I mean, it was like so kind. And our room was stunning. was unbelievable. It was a corner room with floor-to-ceiling glass windows on two of the four walls. And it was, I don't even want to say it was like a cruise ship because that's not the right comparison in terms of like level of beauty, but we just felt like we were hovering right above the water the entire time. They also have the best robes in a hotel room that I have ever encountered and people wear them around the hotel. And I'm not talking just to the pool, just to the hot tub. People wear them in the lobby. They wear them to the restaurant, to the bar. I've never seen this before. I've never seen people wear robes outside of their room or outside of the spa. Okay, I have to say something. <laughs> the image of all these people walking around in their robes. It's a little cultish, right? Uh, well, okay, one, it's a little cultish, but cultish, but two, in my head I'm like, "Oh my god, is this like some location that like only fans people go and like records?" <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it would be one hell of a backdrop. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> the ro- oh, did you take a robe? Were you I, like I have to have one now as a souvenir? I really wanted to take one, and we spoke to one of the housekeepers who was so nice and was talking to my sister and I. She was like, "Oh, they sell them in the shop in the lobby because so many people ask about it." You what was the price? I think it was eighty dollars or eighty nine dollars. That's that's not, that's, that's not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. I did not take it. But also because I knew I could order it online. So like I can still decide after the fact. That was a highlight. Um, And I had gotten so many great recommendations from people on Instagram about where to eat that we wound up having excellent dinner meals, brunch meals. We did a ton of shopping. And I have been to Maine countless times, but never to a Gunkwood. So it was kind of cool to explore a different town and also one that's so close. It only took an hour and 20 minutes to get there coming and going. So I feel like I'll be back, even if it's just en route to Portland or Camden or other places. Um, So if anyone is interested in a Gunkwit, Maine, you're welcome to reach out and I will happily share everything I learned during my little weekend journey. And before we get into our book chat, I also wanted to say I am participating in an annual work competition where everybody makes a pie. 
In the last few years, I've done a no-bake pie since I'm not a great baker or chef. I'm feeling pretty uninspired by the no-bake options on Pinterest. So if anyone is hearing this and has ideas for me on a pie that a simpleton person can make, please let me know because I would like to be a real competitor in the competition, but I'm also not going to make like a 10-layer apple pie. I might be able to hook you up with a Madison family recipe that's a cheesecake pie. Ooh. It's pretty easy. It's like not it's like four ingredients, graham cracker crust that you can pre-buy. You bake it for like 20 minutes and then you serve it chilled. Fantastic. I also think you could just add cocoa powder to it and then it becomes a chocolate cheesecake pie. Because I know you love chocolate. I do love chocolate. Who's the ASMR queen this week? Steph's like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sultry. <laughs> Sultry descriptions of the food. She gets really close to her mic, and then I think she's worried she's going to like drown us out or something. <laughs> Last year, I made a Nutella pie. I remember you doing that. It was a pretty big hit, and then many people asked for the recipe, and throughout the holiday season, I would get text updates from people when they made it. I wound up making it for my family in Miami for the night after Thanksgiving, the leftover night. Um I've also done chocolate peppermint pie. That's a no-bake one. Um, but I'm just seeing a lot of the same stuff. So I will welcome the Madison family recipe. Um, and anyone out there listening who has other thoughts for me where I won't be the laughing stock of the competition, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it. All right. Um, so we're going to start off this episode talking about the Britney Spears memoir. And I just want to say right now, if you have not already read it, First of all, you should. Um, but if you haven't, we are probably going to get into the nitty gritty and spoil parts. So I would skip ahead maybe 15, 20 minutes um, and we'll see you on the other side of this. I need to begin by saying that I was so excited to read this, but it is so poorly written that I almost gave up. Your review on Goodreads like hurt my heart. <laughs> and I was being nice. <laughs> It's it's not meant to be a literary achievement, I don't think. No, but like who helped her with the pacing? Mm. Like she glossed over huge... Fr I, then I did this, then I did that. I'm like, okay, I could have looked up a timeline from People Magazine that would have accomplished a lot of the same like bullet point things that she did in the book. And I know that she had somebody help her write it. So, like, why didn't they? I, mean, I don't know. I have a feeling with her story in mind that they just tried to give her as much control as humanly possible because she has not had any control. And, you know, maybe this was just the extent of her literary abilities. Yes. And... I think she has some contemporaries that have had much better help. Yes. No question. I mean, we already talked about in an earlier episode how much I adored the Jessica Simpson memoir, Open Book. I think she also covers a lot of really painful things from childhood, from up and coming, issues of fame, body image issues, weight issues, romance situations. The person who helped her with that book made it a page turner. It was. It was like you couldn't wait to see what was coming next. And it still felt in her voice. This feels 100% like Britney Spears' voice, but it feels like her voice without any sort of um, framing for something that is meant to live in the form of a 
book. It's just a stream of consciousness. I think the other issue with me going back to the pacing is that if you look at the Justin Timberlake saga of her 20s and teen years, that could have been its own book. Kevin Federline and her boys could have been its own book. That was a very small conjunction. It was so small and had such a big impact on her long term. You know, she could have had a book that's just like stories about being on tour. She could have a book that's just about her fighting to break free of her dad. Like, and, you know, when I'm teaching kids writing, I'm like, okay, you have to decide what the biggest conflict is, and then you have to work up to it with your rising actions, and then you have to lead back down, and the whole nine yards. And these are 12 year olds that I'm telling this. And, I feel like I feel like she didn't necessarily like pick one conflict or like she needed to pick one to have like multiple chapters about. And instead it was just like rapid fire, every five pages, new chapter about like an entirely different year of her life. Like and I was just like it felt like so many things got glossed over that I just, it was like a distraction kind of to the rest of the book. Here's what it felt like to me. Like she got out of the conservatorship and raced to get her own memoir on the shelves without sort of like doing a draft and sitting on it for a year and kind of thinking a little bit more critically about like what should be included and what shouldn't. Um, and I feel like in five years, she's going to sit back and be like, oh, I wish I had th- done that differently. I wish I had like broken this up into bits and, you know, delved further into things. It, it feels like a first draft to me. Yeah. So I think I kind of alluded to this last week, but Molly was the one that hadn't read it yet. Steph and I had. And I said that I didn't realize how closely I had followed Brittany's career and ups and downs because there were only five things that were new to me when I read the book. Read the list. Okay. Spoilers ahead. (laughs) Obviously the big bomb that was like all over the internet the day the book came out was being pregnant with Justin Timberlake and then did not know having an abortion. Didn't know that. I don't think anybody knew that. I don't think so either. In the book, she talks about how she really would have kept the baby and that it was his urging and pushing and saying, we're not ready. We're still rising in our careers. There's a scene where she describes him like sitting next to her on the bathroom floor. That was just like so painful. I mean, really painful. Um, I, I feel like maybe this is probably the PR person in me, but I feel like they each probably signed an NDA about it for a certain period of time. For me, um, the yes, the bathroom floor was that was like dramatic and packed a punch. But the fact that they had somebody come to her house to perform the abortion. Wait, I thought she took pills. Did I misread that? So I thought it was literally just her, Justin and Felicia. No, somebody came to the house. Oh, I must have just skipped that. Yeah, somebody came to the house. But you still like, there's like hemorrhaging and things yeah. going on, and so, um, so that was my first item. Yeah, we did. A, a side note: I think the 
horrifying in itself. But for what I took away from that was Justin bringing a guitar into the bathroom and thinking that that was going to make the moment better. That's what I mean about it was painful. <laughs> His reaction was so absurd. He's just Ken, you know? <laughs> With his guitar. I really hope that he sang whatever that song was in Barbie. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made light of that scene, but okay. Second thing that I didn't know, her parents broke up and then got back together. I didn't know they got back together. Me neither. I did know that. You did know that. Yes, because I had been following a lot of stuff with Jamie Lynn for quite a while and it came up via a lot of those reports who she was living with, traveling with, etc. So I did remember that. Okay. My next one was I didn't know how many times they had sent her to rehab. I thought that there was just one rehab or that there was like a rehab that had been for drinking and then like another one that was like quote unquote mental exhaustion or something and it sounds like it very much was drug and alcohol abuse rehab multiple times. What I thought was so interesting about her sharing about those parts of her more recent years is that she was in AA without being an alcoholic, but she met a ton of people that inspired her. And many times throughout the book, she talks about how much she learned from them and all the life lessons they shared with her. And so even though I'm sure it was torture to be somewhere that she didn't need to be, it seemed like those women she met really uplifted her during a pretty dark time. Yeah, she didn't know who she could trust and her family was absolute garbage. So, which like, I feel like I need a whole separate episode about Jamie Lynn and how much I just want to dropkick her because, wow, what a brat. I have such conf conflicting feelings about Jamie Lynn. I mean, I I listened to a podcast recently in which she talked about being a teenage mom and how she chose to raise, um, I think it's Maddie down in Mississippi or Alabama. And I started to, this was before I read Brittany's memoir. I started to like really feel for her. And then reading Brittany's memoir, I was like, wait a second. Like, I don't know what to believe, you know? I know that is what's really tough. Um, okay. This one, you're, you both probably, I'm going to guess that you both probably knew more than I did, but I didn't realize the extent of her friendship with Madonna. So I remember the kiss at the VMAs. That was like a big deal. Yeah, that was the VMAs. It was. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the kiss and I remember being like, oh, they did this like collab, whatever. And I have no idea what their song sounds like. The one they did together. Couldn't tell you one thing about that song. Me against the music. Me against the music. It's really good. They're both, that's when I started wearing a fedora because Brittany wore a fedora in the music video. I got nothing. So, <laughs> um, so like that, there's a whole chapter in which she talks about Madonna visiting her and like their friendship and all. I had no idea. Didn't know anything about it. Don't you remember she started wearing the red bracelet because Madonna took her to like Kabbalah? Uh, no? No. I was very into Us Weekly back then. Like, I got it all the time. So, like, the Olsen twins, Brittany, like, I was up on everything. I also, unfortunately, was um, a regular Perez Hilton reader. Oh, I read that for a long time, too. Yeah. And I had his book. Yep. Which wasn't good, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I thought when she recounts what I think is, like, one of her more infamous moments of her with the shaved head outside the car, hitting the paparazzo's car with an umbrella... 
when you are reading the book and you start to realize that in the context of her trying to get more visitation with her kids and being constantly rejected, like rejected at the gate to Kevin Federline's house, you can start to understand. paid for. Right. You can start to understand where the desperation comes from. I can't even imagine what it is to be like hunted by photographers like that, but especially when you're already having a bad day, you're already upset. You're already spiraling and then you just don't have an ounce of self-control to try to just say, don't react, don't respond. It's like she was at her lowest low emotionally and they just pounced on her. It is insane to me that she has been paying so much money to him for 18 years. Unnecessary and absurd. And And when she talked about how much money was being paid to court appointed people that she had no say over and didn't understand that she could make changes to that and how much money was being, you know, siphoned to her dad, to her mom, to things for her sister. It just felt disgusting. And like they drugged her up and locked her up in order to take all her money with no regard for her personal well-being. I think, um, I think another aspect of you realizing how messed up her life was is that she didn't know that she could hire her own lawyer for like, what did she say? 15 years? Over 10 years. Over 10 years. That literally means that she had no friends, no one around her at all that would go against anything that like any contradiction with her dad or like basically the estate, like, she had zero people that had like any interest of hers in mind. Here's what I kept coming back to is I don't know if you caught the sentence where she's talking about her husband for the first time. And since writing this book and it coming out, she's now divorced from him. And I kept wondering, how did he genuinely slip through the cracks and become part of her life? Or was that even genuine? Because now he's not part of her life. Oh, I don't know. I think... He- The fact that her dad allowed her to date him means that he was probably getting paid, if I had to guess. That breaks my heart. Yeah. Oh, I think everything was a pawn. Everything from that time period. It was so hard to read about that and also knowing that they're no longer together. And in the parts toward the end where she's talking about how great their relationship is and how loved and supported she felt, it just kind of turns your stomach knowing that, yes, he was probably involved with her dad in some way. And that she no longer has that in the present day. I also was pretty disturbed when she was talking about when she was doing the Vegas residency and how she wanted to add different songs and change up the routines. I saw that concert in Las Vegas in 2014. I loved it. I was on my feet the entire time. I was singing along to every single song. I did not have any idea what was going on with her behind the scenes. And when she describes how empty she felt during that time, that she would purposefully like dance without moving her hair because she knew that that's what people most wanted and what her dad most wanted. And I just thought I was in that audience completely oblivious to the fact that this was like one of the darkest times of her life. And we were screaming and clapping and dancing. And like for me, that night was such a happy memory. And then reading about what it was really like for her, it just kind of wrecks it. So you, that was my fifth bullet point, my fifth note that was revealed to me. I did not know that she was already under conservatorship before she did that Vegas residency and that she did not want to do it. 
I, I had a feeling towards the end of it that she didn't want to do it anymore and she was sick of it, but I didn't know that that was like from the get-go. The other thing about Vegas and the conservatorship and all of that um, is I started thinking about the song Circus and that whole album and I was really into that album. I really liked it. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a Britney renaissance. Like I'm so, you know, give me more, you know, the, all that. And I was so into it. And, um, you know, she was going through a really hard time and she had had like her total meltdown and everything. And, you know, was wearing like a weave because her head was shaved and all of this. And I read something a very long time ago. Was the source good? No idea. Was it like some garbage gossip website? Couldn't tell you. Can't remember. But I vividly remember this detail that people were like, she must really be doing drugs because you can have like drug tests done on your hair. And she wanted more custody of her kids. And so people were speculating that she shaved her head before that could happen. And so people were like, we, like, we really do think she's taking drugs that she's not like, she's definitely medicated, but like, she's also like doing recreational drugs. I remember reading that. Yeah, you do too. Mm -hmm. And so when I was reading the book, I was like, geez, I really, I don't want Kevin Federline to come out with his own book or basically anyone in her garbage family because they should not be making any more money off of her. But boy, would I like to know. I mean, her perception of reality is so messed up and we know that. And like in an interviews and stuff, like she's kind of like a little off and like the videos with the knives on Instagram and the dancing and like the barely wearing anything. And like, we thought this was like a whole cry for help. Like, remember when people thought like she's doing Morse code and the dances mm-hmm. and like, she's, you know, she's like a prisoner and like, and everybody was like free Britney and all of that. Like she's still doing it. And like that, like she's been free for a while now. And so I'm like, what in the hell? Yeah. But I'm wondering like what sort of lasting effects does lithium have on you? Because that is probably messed her up pretty good. The only people I know that have taken lithium really needed it. And so they don't, like, they didn't stay on it forever, but it got them through, like, a rough time. Um, and But they needed it. So I, I think if you need it, then it doesn't have super bad effects on you. If you don't need it, I don't know what happens. I also don't think it's a drug that you're supposed to take for a super long time. And I think they had her on it, like, for a very long time. That was also, I think, a hard part to read is that, they needed like more reasons to keep her in those places. And so if they could put her on something that would actually mess her up, then anyone who would evaluate her would say she wasn't, you know, conforming to the norms of typical social behavior, but they had drugged a person that didn't need drugs. If you are a Britney fan, you should read it. Like I said, I did learn some things and I was kind of a Britney aficionado and didn't realize it. So you probably will learn a bunch of things. I think one of the more important things that I took away from it is um, the fact that I think she was telling this story as like, this is how I got victimized by my family. And I think that 
like a major part of it wasn't her being like, this is my side of the story. It was like too blunt. Like it felt agendaless, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. She just was like, this is a thing that happened to me. Like you all think you watched it, but here's how it really went down in chronological order. And now I'm finally like out of it and done. I hope she's seeing a therapist. I think that this is a, a lot to unpack in one's life and will probably take her decades to unpack. I just thought of one more thing. The part where she said that she became the character in the movie that she was in. Crossroads. Crossroads. Shonda Rhimes. And she said, I just like snapped out of it and was like, oh gosh, who have I like been recently? I was like, that is some serious trauma manifesting in a very messed up way. And I'm actually speechless. I, I didn't even really know what to say at that part of the book. But if that really did happen, wouldn't your family maybe be like, she needs to be medicated? Like that is really, that's a personality disorder type thing. But I think we saw that like she wasn't seeing her family at that point. She basically moved out and was living with Justin in Orlando in her teens. I don't think she was around them very often. How old was she in that movie? In real life, I think she was maybe early 20s. I was in high school, I think, when that came out. So, yeah, she might have been like 19 or 20. Oh, okay. So it was just in time. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot in the book. There's a lot in the book, and it's not very long. So you really, every page has something going on. Um, if you want to read it and comment uh, and uh, have some dialogue about it, you can message us on Instagram or planserebooked at gmail.com. Um, and we're going to segue into our last part. This is a big episode. Jeez. <laughs> big episode. So we promised in the last episode that we were going to talk about our book boyfriends. I'm so excited for this. Boyfriends from books. Um, and as we were getting ready to record the episode, Steph was like, I feel like we need a candle. It's Monday. It's daylight savings. It's dark. We need a Oh, wait. This one's perfect. She has a candle, and I'm not kidding. The scent is called My Boyfriend's Flannel. Musk and pine. <laughs> so... Would you expect anything less from me? I was going to say, sometimes the universe just winks at you. And that's what happened tonight. I said to Molly, I can't believe she has that candle. And Molly goes, I can. Because apparently that's, I mean, I know flannel's your vibe, but it just cracks me up that it's my boyfriend's flannel. Yeah. And as we talk about the book boyfriends, I think it will become clear what Steph's ideal man is. <laughs> Okay. So we decided that we're going to go, we each have three, three book boyfriends. Okay. We decided we're going to go around in a circle. Does anybody want to go first? I think you kick it off. You want me to do it? Yeah, you okay. start. Well, without further ado, a book boyfriend to me is somebody that you not only want to date, but is like kind of your Jake Ryan from 16 Candles type person, like the guy that you're probably never going to get, 
the guy that's like the dreamboat, the McDreamy, the everything. I have a friend, Sarah, shout out to Frizz. She just finished fourth wing and she was like, I never realized that all I really want in life is to feel safe and feel small. That's what she said. I want to feel safe and I want to feel small. I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm five foot eight and I'm not tiny. (laughs) And so I said to her, yeah, I can get on board with that. So without further ado, my first pick who I've mentioned before, Peter Kavinsky. Amen. Jenny Han created this delightful person into in the to all the boys I've loved before series. It has a trope of fake dating. He ends up being absurdly charming. He's boy next door. He's dark haired. He's tall. He plays lacrosse. He's like already had a girlfriend. He's friends with everybody. He's friends with nerds. He's friends with the cool kids. He goes to parties. He drinks kombucha. Like he is, (laughs) he's like, he shows up and shakes hands with Larry Jean's dad and is like, oh, hey, doctor, whatever. And it's like, you are the like you are wrapped up with a bow boyfriend material with a capital b he's so lovely and not in this like whole like he's a golden retriever whatever like yes i get that that's appealing as well but he also like has flaws he's not like totally perfect and no centineo damn the casting on that good god damn and like when i read that book I like almost didn't continue reading the series because there's a cliffhanger at the end of the first book. I think you handed me the first book and you hadn't read the second or third. And I think I read those before you and told you to keep going. Yes, because I was so upset that they were going to break up Peter and Lara Jean that I was like, F this, I'm not doing this. And But then Steph reeled me back in. So Peter K is my first one. Okay, I know the two of you are probably thinking she named her cat after a Jane Austen character, so Mr. Darcy is for sure her number one, and I thought long and hard about this, and I'm not sure if it's the literary Mr. Darcy that I adore, or if it's the Matthew McFadden Darcy that I love the most, who's like bumbling and doe-eyed and like can't get a sentence out when he's feeling his emotions, so I had to pass on that. Um, my number one is James Alexander, Malcolm Mackenzie Fraser from Outlander. And I know neither of you has read this. I was like, I don't know the name of this person (laughs) and what book is he from? Um, okay. So for those of you who don't know, the Outlander series has currently, I've lost track. It's either eight or nine books. Um, the TV show itself, I think we're on season six. I've lost track of that as well. Um, each book is easily 700 pages and I was 22 when I purchased Outlander, the protagonist, no, I take that back. I was 26 when I purchased it. It was in 2009, according to Goodreads. Um, the protagonist, um, Claire is 27 in the book and Jamie is 22 in the book. So I was like right in the prime age to be reading it and sort of imagining myself as Claire because she does have curly hair and a big bottom, which it's mentioned multiple times in the book. What's interesting about the Outlander series is that it started in the 90s, I think, and my mom 
she'd gone to um, an author reading in Acton. Do you remember there used to be a bookstore there? Willow Books. And there are a lot of women and probably men as well who have fallen in love with this series over, well, God, it's 2023, 30 potential years. So my mom has a relationship to the characters in the book that is similar but different, you know, than my own relationship. Um, Jamie is described as redheaded. Um, I think he's supposed to be like 6'3 or something, which, you know, like ideal height. Um, his clan tartan is different than my clan tartan. So like, that's not awesome. But um, <laughs> he's the type of guy who will um, run into a witch trial and save you because he adores you. Um, he will also climb through a window in a prison to save you from um, the British. If you want like He's not swoony and broody, which is usually my go-to. He's kind and open and loves horses and is just like a really genuine good guy in the sense of like, you know, the the hero kind of. Um, yeah, he's sort of an outlier to my usuals, but he is my like top book boyfriend. Outlander. Okay. So my number one... I can't tell if this is going to be predictable or a shock. We'll see. My number one is Peter Malark from The Hunger Games. Whoa. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Did not see this coming. He bakes bread. Duh. <laughs> not necessarily because of the food connection. I actually did not even think of that. But when you were talking, Keelan, before about sort of like what are the elements to you that stand out? So to me, I tend to gravitate towards the men who know everything about their love interest, like what makes them happy, what makes them scared, how to make them feel protected. I feel like I am seeking that in the world. So when I see that in a character, I gravitate towards, even on the casting of the movie versions, we got Josh Hutcherson, which is just really no comparison to a Hemsworth brother who plays the other part of the love triangle, Gail. <laughs> I still love Peta. I feel like he knew Katniss to the core. He only wanted what was best for her. He would have been willing to sacrifice himself at any time. I just adored him. And I think the film version of him played up the best friend, I would do anything for you vibe in a way that just resonated. Peta is for the He's for the Pacey Witter people of the world. Yes. Yeah. Duh. And I, I was always a Gale girl shunned <laughs> um wow that was i that was out of left field didn't expect it didn't expect it this is great i'm learning things okay book boyfriend number two um it's it's elliot petropolis from love another word great one great choice yeah solid he's Again, I'm a tall, dark, and handsome kind of person. So, like, he's tall and Greek and dark-haired and gangly and, like, described as being, like, this cute hipster that reads books all the time. And he treats her like gold. And he means well. And he's good to his siblings and his parents. And he's, the, again, the I got a boy next door thing, you know? He's literally the boy next door. And I just love how genuine he is. I love that he's not afraid to be himself even when he's at a young age. And 
I kind of love that like he's not really good at making the first move. Like I find that kind of charming about him and um he's just he's like the type of person that it's like people would be proud to have him as a son or a boyfriend. He's that kind of guy. Um very reliable. Plus the books, it's just, oh, the books. He just loves books and words, and so do I. And I just found him really lovely. So people should read the book just for him, honestly. I'm kind of hating myself for picking books that you guys don't know the characters to. Because <laughs> <laughs> my second book boyfriend is Alexander Belov from The Bronze Horseman. Um, this is Which I've never even heard of this book. <laughs> I don't know that book, but the cover I'm envisioning in my mind. Oh, it's a trilogy. Okay. Caitlin's holding up a book, which has a face of a girl just from the nose down and it's snowing. So it's Leningrad, Russia. And it is when Germany is, um, oh gosh. It's 800 pages. Yeah. That's just the first book, but it's so good. I'm, uh, I think I read this when you and I were on vacation, Molly, in Puerto Rico, which was a weird sort of dichotomy of being nice and warm on the beach and reading about Leningrad where they're eating sawdust because rations have become so horrible. So he's a Red Army officer. He falls in love with Tatiana, who throughout the book, um, it's winter, it's cold, it's like the epitome of despair. And she starts losing family members to illness. And I don't, I, I'm losing you, but... <laughs> Why is he so great? Go back to the book boyfriend. Okay. Steer so, the ship. <laughs> I'm still he, thinking about the sawdust. <laughs> he he basically saves her. I mean, the food situation there in, in the wintertime as they're fighting um, Germany is basically just horrible. And since he works um, as I think it was like a lieutenant, he can kind of, you know, sneak away food for her and her family and he basically tries to like keep them alive himself he is stuff wants to be rescued <laughs> that is what we're discovering here yeah two we've got two in a row now where it's like she wants to be swept off her gd feet well i mean that's sort of the opposite of how i live because i handle everything myself so it'd be nice if someone sort of i know we're digging yeah. in here this is the fantasy revealed <laughs> boys inquire <laughs> i'll just say it's um it's a saucy novel i know it may not seem like that from the dark not cover. from that cover <laughs> it looks bleak <laughs> it is bleak but they're finding romance within the bleakness and if you like world war ii i i would recommend it okay <laughs> i'm not really sure how to follow that song <laughs> um my second choice is also in the best friend category, which is Team Jacob from Twilight. Oh my God. I love Jacob the Werewolf. I have always been Team Jacob since book one. I read all of these books on the bus. I can't believe we haven't talked about this. <laughs> yes. I used to read, I read all these books on the bus when I was living in Brighton and commuting downtown to my advertising job. I was addicted to them. And I just like cannot even converse with people who are Team Edward because I simply do not understand. And the fact that, oh, there, Stephanie's pointing at herself. <laughs> the fact that 
Taylor Lautner was cast as Jacob. He wasn't actually the first Jacob. I found this out on Instagram the other day. Someone else got the part before him? Someone who ended up being one of the other, um, I forget what tribe they were supposed to be. He ends up being like a background actor. Oh, interesting. Has like a couple of lines. Yeah. I could just look at Taylor Lautner every day for the rest of my life. So I loved the character in the book, but then it was like even dialed up the love because he was so gorgeous. And I was for sure not ever going to be team Edward when they described the vampires as twinkling in the sun. I was like, (laughs) we're done here. 100%. Thank you. I'm not dating somebody that twinkles when I don't. Correct. That's just. And also someone who from the amount of fire and passion they feel to defend you transforms into a werewolf from the sheer fury of wanting to protect you. Pretty cool. So I don't know if you know this. I will find Instagram people. I will find this photo because I I have it somewhere. My mom bought a Jacob cutout for Christmas one year as a gag gift, like a life-size one. And I didn't let her throw it out for like a year. And it was like in our living room and people, people would come over and be like, oh, Oh, people would come over to take a picture. No, that's just my Jacob cut out. This is a quick interjection. Chris Hazard, um, friend of mine from high school, had a life-size Britney cut out and he brought it one time to my softball game as like a, (laughs) oh my goodness, that's amazing. (laughs) He's a great friend. Yeah. So I had a Jacob cut out. So I was like very clearly team Jacob. Um, I don't, I don't know what this says about me, but at one point Burger King was doing some kind of twilight something or other. I don't like Burger King. I like fast food. I'm a, I will say it up front. I like fast food. Burger King is the most ghetto of all the fast food foods in my opinion. It's trash. I can't even get into it. It makes me angry. But I went there and I ordered like a supersized meal to get a cup that had Jacob on it. And I told them in the Burger King, don't give me that cup. I want that one. I think I had it until a couple years ago. Like that thing made the rounds with me to multiple different places. I can't believe it didn't occur to me to put him on my list. Now I'm kind of pissed to be honest with you. I'm happy that I was able to learn during this conversation that you share my team allegiance because I feel like that's one of those things. It's like when I've learned someone's never seen Friday Night Lights. I'm like, we're done talking. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, you need to do it just to like be a better person, really. Um, Who's your pick number three? Also, I've mentioned this before. And this is another one where I think it's more the TV show than the book. But I saw the TV show before I read the book. I did it in the opposite order. It's Connell Waldron from Ugh. Normal People. I of course. Known you would say this. So Connell Waldron is, he's the, like, if he called me up and was like, I need you to move to Moscow with me and we're going to, like, herd sheep. <laughs> Eat sawdust. I'd probably, I'd give it a shot at the bare minimum. Like that's the pull this guy has on me. Again, bookish. 
English major, writer, Irish, short shorts, <laughs> Gaelic rugby. I need you to know that in the television adaptation, Connell wears this chain around his neck. And I started following an Instagram account called Connell's Chain, which was just various photos yes. of his neck. Yes. And do you know who has that chain? You? I wish. He gave it to Daisy Edgar Jones as a rap gift when they finished oh, Normal come People. On. He gave her the chain. Yeah. Yeah. I really want them to get married in real life. But he is smart, reserved, good to his mom, also has flaws. He really duffs up at some certain points in that. Um, he works on his mental health. He is super creative. He's incredibly hardworking. He goes to college for free. Like, he's just, like, the best. I also want to say we're entering the time of year here in New England where it's dark really early. The temps are starting to get colder. This is, like, prime TV binge-watching weather. And if you have not watched Normal People on Hulu, you need to remedy that ASAP. It's cuffing season. Um, that's my show that I watch when I if I feel dead inside, it just splits me wide open every single time. The book is also very good. And I really, I don't have a lot of situations in which I watch something and I love it so much that then I go back and read. This was a situation where I was like, I have to see where this guy came from. Like, what did he look like on paper? And I think that they made him even better in the show, but he is just he's just awesome he's awesome this is a great pick okay my number three um his name is matthew walker he is in Kristen hannah's the great alone um this book starts when the protagonist is 13 um her name is lenny and this is like small town alaska i'm pretty sure they're on a remote island i'm trying to remember it's been a while since i read this but they're the only two 13 year olds in this school um, so they kind of become each other's person. Um, he's also bookish. Um, and then when he moves away, they sort of continue their friendship and have it blossom into a romance by writing letters to each other, which, you know, I love the old school means of communication. I mean, if someone wants to write me a love letter, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to that. Um, and I don't want to go into spoilers, but this is a very emotional book. Um, it's also a very dark book. <laughs> Lots of trauma. Um, but he's the type of person who fights for her physically um, once. And, you know, in the end, truly, truly loves her. So, you know, I love uh, growing up from childhood bookish friends. This is a book you've been trying to get me to read for years. <laughs> and it's Pretty Kaylin long. Hated it. I almost didn't finish it, but I did. Ugh. It's pretty long. It's hardcover. A lot of times I'm taking books on my travels. So big and hardcover and not ideal. Well, it's also Alaska and it's bleak. It's the seventies. And and like this guy moves his family to Alaska and is and like he's abusive. he's abusive, but he's also completely unprepared to survive a winter on a, at a place that like is very desolate and like doesn't really have a grocery store and like you have to hunt and plan for the winter and he's just like winging it up there and so you're just like 
it's just it's it's I don't know why you like it so much. I find it very daunting. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. <laughs> it it is. I I think I'd rather watch it, honestly. It it would be fantastic actually if it was on TV or a movie. Universe, if you're hearing us. What's your grand finale? Okay. You knew that there was going to be a romance book mixed into one of my choices. It was very hard to choose. I read earlier this year a book that Steph loaned to me, but also that my best friend from study abroad, Kate, is a huge romance reader too, and had said to me, you have to start reading Tessa Bailey. Like, where have you been on the author, Tessa Bailey? So she wrote this book called It Happened One Summer about two sisters who moved to a small town um, to take over a restaurant. And the main character, Piper, is like a snobby Beverly Hills type gal. She comes to this small town. It's like a very Hallmark movie premise, actually, now that I think about it. She moves to a small town. They redo this restaurant, and she winds up falling in love with a fisherman that works in this small town. Brendan is his name. I've had this in my to-be-read stack for six months. It, it's not a Hallmark premise. Because I was going to say, so if you want to feel turned on, then you should read this book because... I, it's moving up the list. Brendan, I think when I handed it to you, I was like, just want to give you a warning. I read this and I felt some things. So yeah, this is like a maybe read it while you're home by yourself situation, not in a public place. Brendan is like gruff, the type of person who wears flannel probably, <laughs> who has like the calloused hands from like working out in the world. And he sees right through her snobby bullshit and is like, this is not who you are. I can see the real you. I just want to be with that person, not the showy person, the person who is like honest. And it's just some of like the steamiest stuff I've ever seen. We have to get Molly. So Steph wants to be swept off her feet. I want the boy next door. <laughs> Molly needs a working class boyfriend. <laughs> the baker, the fisherman, the, the werewolf. The werewolf. <laughs> Hey, he fixes cars and motorcycles. Don't forget. He's good yeah. with his hands. That's true. That's Get true. Get Molly a boy with calloused hands stat. <laughs> Truly. And uh, Caitlin, you got to read this book like for your own self-care. I'm going to find wherever it is in my house in one of my 75 stacks. It's a uh, blue cover, I think. Yes. yes. And he's wearing a red and white flannel, I believe. Yeah, on correct. The cover. Yeah. And he has a beard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I have two honorable mentions. Oh, of course. I, <laughs> okay. But I feel like this is this has to be said because we all know who these two people are. Alex Claremont Diaz. Oh, red, white, royal blue. And Henry, his boyfriend. <laughs> I feel like individually, both perfect boyfriends together, unstoppable. And Nicholas Galatine, who we obviously love because he just like keeps popping up on the podcast. Come be on our podcast, Nick, please. Yes, Nick Galatzin, who plays Prince Henry, is also playing um, Hayes in The Idea of You, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. He is, I think, going to be like the fourth host of this podcast. <laughs> Can't so wait. Sorry. But here's the thing. If I had read Purple Hearts and not just seen the movie... What's his name from Purple Hearts, played by Nick Galatine, would have probably made my list. Yeah. 
Yeah. And actually, he probably would have made stuff list, maybe not mine. <laughs> He's kind of a sweep you off your feet kind of. <laughs> Steph has watched that movie, I think, conservatively 100 times. God, I'm so embarrassed. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> I think I've seen it four times. And the first time I saw it was with Steph. She was dog sitting. Mm-hmm. We were sweating our buns off. It was so hot. Their AC had broken. And their AC had broken. And we were like, but Purple House came out today. And we like had to watch it. Amazing. Any final boyfriend thoughts? I'm I'm a little mad at myself about Team Jacob. Oh, did anybody think I was going to pick Jeremiah from the Summer I Turned Pretty? I totally sure. did think you were going to go a Summer I Turned Pretty route. And in fact, I thought each of you might have an opposite brother. Yes, definitely. I don't I have mean, the same types. I loved Conrad when I read the books, but I, I don't know. He he just didn't make my top list. You know. Yeah. So Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah. I'm Team Jeremiah all the way, one hundred percent. I'm just not Team Jeremiah for myself mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I feel really old. <laughs> um, he makes me feel old. That show makes me feel old sometimes, mm-hmm. even though I love it so much. And um, it's hard for me to discern because Jeremiah's storyline is different in the books than the show. And it I feel like more connected to the Jeremiah on the show, but I also really loved Jeremiah in the books. So I guess he would be an honorable mention for me, but like a book boyfriend is like, I want him to be my boyfriend, not the main character's boyfriend. I want Connell to be my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I want Peter Kavinsky to be my boyfriend. Jeremiah, he's very nice. I like him a lot. I want him to be with the main character in the show, and I'll watch him make out with people happily, you know? Um, This just made me realize that the book that's unnamed that I'm writing right now, I think I've just written my own book boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. As somebody who's reading that book that isn't finished yet, you might have. Yeah. Perhaps you just came up with the dedication for that book. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of dedications and new books, um, let's quickly chat about what we're reading now. And uh, I'll start because I am the one keeping us from being able to talk about the book I am currently reading now, which is The Fourth Wing. I am the third and final reader in this crew of that book. Um, Big book, hardcover, very heavy. However, um, I'm excited. I'm about 60 pages in. I actually started and then immediately paused to read the Britney Spears memoir once it got into my hands. But I'm looking forward to resuming. And I know people have very strong feelings about it. So I'm excited to chat and also hear what all of our listeners have to say about it. I'm going to add one more mention to mine. And that is when you continue reading it, you'll understand Zayden Rearson would be, I don't know how many boyfriends I've already said, but he would be the next on the list. So enjoy. The next book comes out tomorrow. I know I'm going to pick it up. And I feel like if Steph had already read the second book, I think that he might have actually just made your regular list. (laughs) So, and it's, it's saucy and spicy and delicious and he makes people feel small and safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I just started a book called Divine Rivals. I found it on Book Talk right around when I found Fourth Wing. I don't know much about it except there is some magical things happening in it. And it's about a 
boy and a girl and they write letters to each other. They start off as like enemies for this journalism project thing. And then they end up writing letters to each other. I don't really know. Everybody says it's very beautiful and awesome. And I think it's a series. I will keep you posted. I've only read like 15 pages, so I really don't have a clue as to what's going on. But it seems really well written so far. So Divine Rivals. I didn't read it all this weekend since I was in New York. Um, so I'm still reading Blood Sisters by Vanessa Lilly. But now I'm a little bit further than I was the last time we chatted. Um, it is, she. Li um, the author lives in Rhode Island. Um, but I believe she's from... Oklahoma. And so, um, and I'm embarrassed to say I've forgotten what tribe she's from. Um, but her protagonist is a, um, archeologist, anthropologist. I'm losing track. She studied or she digs up bones and sort of studies them. Um, and she is brought back home to where, um, she left three years ago and did not want to talk to her family anymore because her sister, her younger sister has a drug problem and she was tired of being the one to kind of find her, you know, in the crack house or wherever. And someone has been murdered on the next property and her ID was left in the skull. So she's been brought back by the, um, I think Bureau of Indian Affairs to kind of figure out what the heck that's about. Um, it's dark. But enjoyable. It sounds good. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, if you want to keep tabs on what we're reading, what we're excited about, what we're looking forward to, please give us a follow over on Instagram. We are at plans are booked, all one word. You can also email us if you want to share any thoughts. We're plans are booked at gmail.com. Until next time, friends, our plans are booked. <laughs>